You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state. Just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols, and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio, begins right now. I see Corey, I see Ira doing this thing in this hour is brought to you by our friends at Register Sausage, the best sausage in all of the world. And you can get it in more places now than ever before, thanks to Seminole Headlines and the greatness of our endorsement. Yay, sausage! Yay, Seminole Headlines! You think there was, you think there was some uh, pity sausage uh, going on uh, over the weekend at all? This is the first time really in basketball season that, that, that that's been... That's, you know, guys have had to, you know, you know, go, go the pity route. Look, well, you know. if there was, you could have started at halftime. Yeah. Then about 10 minutes into the first half, you're like, let's go ahead and start getting that sausage ready. Yeah. Let's get some pity sausage going. <laughs> <laughs> <It'll go well. laughs> uh, register sausage. is the website. You can order your registered sausage. As you said, Jeff, they are expanding. Thanks mostly to us. I mean, partly due to the great uh, quality product. But but mostly due to us expanding into uh, the Jacksonville area, North Florida, North Central Florida, coming down towards uh, Central Florida, taking over the state, probably taking over the nation within a couple of years, and it's uh, it's great. But if you live outside of the area, you can order it registermeats.com. It com- registermeats.com. It comes in a uh, in a cooler with with ice, and it's fresh Ooh. when you get it, and uh, it's it's the best stuff on the market. Get you some andouille. That stuff is the truth. You know, so Kim's got a, a little hack. She's she buys these like packaged jambalaya things. Like pre- it's easy to prepare, quick mm-hmm. and. But then she throws in the the registers andouille, and it turns into like a home cooked meal mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. ten minutes. It's really good. 
Take well my word. Done, Jim. Well done. Hey, I got a question. You kind of, when we started the show, you made me think of it. Other than when Florida State and every collegiate basketball team not named Gonzaga has a night like this where you just you play poorly or whatever, and so there have been some games this year where you're watching early on and you go, ooh, this, this doesn't bode well. Was this the first time this year where Florida State matched up against an opponent where physically you're laying your eyes on it, your educated basketball eyes and mind and, and, and analysis on it that you thought this isn't going to go well? Because I got to be honest, I, I know we got off to a good start. It's 4 nothing, and, and playing good defense. But the more the game got going, I, I'd say probably 10 to 12 minutes into the game, I thought, yeah, man, they're not going to win today. Michigan's a better basketball team than Florida State, and it looked really apparent. That's the first time I can think of where that was true this year. Yeah, I think part of that is because of the schedule and the ACC being down. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely the one where uh, I watching it live there in person, you're like, they just, there's bigger, they're bigger, bigger than Florida State, and they also have a point guard. That's a nice combination to have against Florida State. They weren't going to turn the ball over. I think they had nine for the game, eight or nine for the game. Well, two came with their walk-ons in. Florida State just couldn't create any kind of defensive pressure in the second half. And, yeah, man, uh, they're good. I mean, I can't imagine what they're like with the Livers kid. I mean, they must have been – they could have beaten Gonzaga with the Livers kid probably. I mean, they're, that, that is a legitimately uh, very, very, very good college basketball team. Like yeah, the Dickinson that- kid and the Wagner kid are both pros. Um, and, and the point guard is a fifth-year kid that, like, led the Ivy League in scoring last year. I mean, they're, they're legit. We're sophisticated basketball fans here, Corey, so we're going to call him Wagner. Um, we're not calling it's, him it's Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. But, no, but, it's uh, Wagner. It's Wagner. I mean, look, he's in America, right? We call him oh, Wagner, right? It's that's spelled true. Wagner. That's, right. yeah. Yeah. that's how yeah. it works. Yeah. Um, we, we should just change his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think when you look at, to Jeff's point, this was probably, yeah, the first time they lost a the game. They lost six games coming into this game. But it was probably the first game where you thought, yeah, you know, I mean, they, they, they probably shouldn't have beaten that team. They would have had to play better than, them, than, than they currently play or than, than we've seen them play to win that game. But it shouldn't have been. that The disparity shouldn't have been there. And that, that's what I think was so frustrating for fans is that it was never even really a game after, you know, probably – two-thirds of the way through the first half. I mean, going going into halftime, you felt good only being down 11 because yeah. they got th- thoroughly outplayed. Now, there were circumstances that pl- went into that. Anthony Polite, Raekwon Gray have been your two best players for a while now, and they both got into foul trouble. Um, it it the, the way the game was officiated, the way they were allowed to just clear out the lane and mug people inside, that played to Michigan's style of basketball. So there were some factors that led to it, but also at the end of the day, you know, I think the the flaws of this team, we started seeing more of and more of them late in the season, especially with injuries. And, uh, you know, they were just all laid laid out there uh, on that last game. Yeah, I felt like, um, well, I felt a high level of frustrations going back to, I, I know there were some intermittent well-played games from this point forward, but I actually didn't like the way they were playing on the whole uh, right around the, the Wake Forest game. And then, you know, they had their moments, but you began to see them sort of wane. MJ Walker not being the player he had been earlier in the year and and really showing no signs of coming back to that scared me. Obviously, you know, we all, I don't want to continue to just crush the kid, but Raekwon Evans can't play. Not not like he used to and, and not like they need him to. 
So that was devastating. And then other guys began to have real problems too. And obviously Scotty Barnes was afflicted with an injury because he, he didn't get any better at the halfway point on. Um, and then the not having a point guard, really, you go and you look at this tournament and you're just reminded of things you always knew. But when you see it play out, you're like, oh yeah, really good to have a veteran point guard that can calm things down. And that's what makes you mad because they had one. Trent Forrest would have never allowed that to happen. He would have never allowed them to look that kind of out of control and saucer-eyed and, and, and really, um, you know, lacking in composure. He just wouldn't have. Well, let me um, ask you this. Let me ask you guys this, because I felt like – it felt like to me watching the game that this coaching staff never figured exactly the right buttons to push with this team emotionally. Because early in the year when they lost some games like the Clemson game, Georgia Tech, UCF, it felt like they were – I don't know, too cool for school sometimes. They were lackadaisical yeah, in some areas. And, and so that you, they, that was one issue. Then late in the year, I thought particularly in this game, but there was a couple other games as well, where it seemed like things were dialed up too high and they couldn't handle the pressure. I felt like the maybe the, the Notre Dame loss. I thought this game, it seemed like they played frenetically, but overplayed everything. They didn't play within themselves. They were just kind of like, to, it was like they were trying to respond to those earlier issues by ratcheting everything up, and then they just got like totally like in this game and in that Notre Dame game, they just overplayed everything. They got killed by over closing out too hard, getting beat with just simple things, just being out of control. And so, is it was it that part of it that the coaches never could figure out the right buttons to push, or was it they just didn't have a, a steadying force? Because as you mentioned, Trent. I mean, that's what a guy like he could do is he could step in that the Michigan point guard, like Florida or Florida State was doing the same thing to him that they did to the kid from uh, Colorado, where they were trying to deny him the ball. Whereas the Colorado kid, it sped him up and he never could kind of calm back down. The Michigan dude was fine with it. He's like, I'm going to get the ball eventually and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Florida State never seemed to have that steadying force. But I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's an emotional thing or if it's a lack of a skilled point guard thing. Yeah, I think it's more that. Um, I don't know that they were like like frazzled. Like the I don't think the moment was too big for him. I just think Michigan was too good for him. But it kind of looked like that sometimes, man. But I but I thought it looked like that through courses of the year too. Like you know they had Scotty Barnes had to hit a runner at the buzzer to take Wake Forest overtime. Uh, You know they had moments. I think when we look at the totality of this season. The Virginia game, the Louisville game, the NC State game, which was just <clears throat> a goofy game all around. Those were the exceptions, not the norm. I think this team was a decent team that could play great at times, but was just an okay team, right? When you look at it, like I think, especially at the end of the year when when MJ wasn't MJ anymore and Scotty got hurt, this was about their – I mean, I, I think they got about as much out of this team with that draw – is they could get like if they had Houston's draw, we'd be talking right now about a Final Four team probably. But with this draw, um, in this talent level, when you know again we don't want to kill the kid, but Raquan Evans started thirty games for you, and they never got anything out of Calhoun, who I think could be a really good player, but just never materialized this year. Nate Jack isn't really a rotation player on a Final Four team. White Wilkes probably might not be. I don't know. Um, to, to Noren Gom, this version of Ngom isn't. But these were guys that were having to play against a great team like Michigan. That's you ran into a team that you just couldn't do that with. I I just I think they actually they we over 
we overestimated how good they were because of what they did at the early, the midway part of the season against a bad conference. But it's all, yeah, thank you for bringing up the conference. I think it's complex. I don't think it's all one or the other. They lacked skill in certain areas that they were going to need to draw on in this tournament, and they didn't have it. There was nobody on this team, especially after Walker got hurt, that could get their shot. Yeah. That could get their shot off the bounce the way that you see some of these teams. Raekwon Gray, right, was the closest one, and he's a 6'9", 260-pound kid. Like, he's the closest one that could do it. Jeff, Corey and I were texting last night during the game, the uh, um, Arkansas-Baylor game. Yeah. You saw more tough shots by guards going to the basket and making those tough shots in one game yes. than we saw yes. an entire season. And that's not knocking these guys. It's just, it should, that's the difference. Well, it shows you what they're lacking. It's fair just to say that there's nobody on this team that had that skill set. They just could not beat you off the bounce to create enough space and get a look and knock down a shot and let alone get into the lane and contort their body every which way to Sunday and find a way to kiss it off the glass and in. Um, especially after MJ got hurt, he really couldn't do that nearly like he did at the beginning of the season. Scotty Barnes was a guy that could awkwardly get to the basket, but then he was less explosive as the year went on. And bottom line is he was never a point guard. So that experiment, you know, I understand it benefits him long term, but it didn't do us a lot of good in the second half of the season. And they just didn't have a guy they could turn to. You know, unfortunately, Jack was a guy that in this tournament gave you a nice little stretch and you thought all of a sudden, oh, what if he gets right? What if all of a sudden they can count on him? Well, the four minutes he played in this game against Michigan were as bad as four minutes as you'll ever see played. He was horrible. And I don't blame the loss on him. I'm just saying when they tried to put him out there, he was terrible. Um, and that's true of a few guys on this yeah, team. Yeah, I was going to say. Tried, yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody in that game was bad. They all took turns being bad. But 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 that's what's, you know, we're, one of the flaws of this team that, you know, I think we see got, got exposed late in the year was – when the shots weren't falling, the way they shot it so mm-hmm. well early in the year from the perimeter, it erased any of those concerns. But when they stopped, how do you explain hitting- that though? How do you explain that? But I'm sorry, Ira, but how do you right. explain that? Because somebody somebody sent me this lengthy email and all angry about how we can't shoot, and I'm like, well, they led the ACC in shooting for most of the year. I don't know what the f- you're talking about, but the point is, <laughs> the, the the point is. They did, and then they didn't. They really couldn't shoot a lick in this tournament. And I watched them play. What is that, man? I think – I know you asked Ira, but I'm going to answer the question. I was in Indianapolis, man. Give me a break. Let me me try to answer something. Um, I think it's because of – weirdly, it has a lot to do with MJ's injury. They don't have anybody that could get in the lane and kick out. Scotty Barnes and MJ were the only two guys that could get in the lane and kick out to an open shooter. And those were eliminated because MJ couldn't get to the paint and do anything anymore. Remember the Louisville game? Yeah. He had like 10 assists. And a lot of them were on kickout threes. Um, Scotty Barnes would get in the lane and kick it out. He they That was taken away from them. So when you watch college basketball, you don't see a lot of open threes just from a pick and roll set. You see it from penetrating and kicking. They didn't have anybody that could do that at the end of the year. So, But even but – even, and then when they did get looks – it seemed yeah. like they lost confidence. They didn't, yes. you know, there, there, there was some of that, but, but. Well, light was the only one that. Yeah. Played but, in the moment and shot well. But then the next step to that though, is you didn't have and you know, this kind of adds on to Corey's point that, you know, Anthony polite is a really, it turned into a really nice player for Florida state, but he's not a guy that can get to get to the basket. I mean, it, he can, he can do it in transition. If it's just maybe one guy back there, but he's not weaving through traffic and making tough shots. That's not his game. Um, you also, Raquan Evans 
when he would try to get into the lane, his best, the best case scenario is he's trying to draw a foul because he, he's just, he, he had no ability to take that contact and actually convert a shot. So now you just don't have anybody when the shooting's not there and, and MJ's banged up and Scotty's either banged up or just not comfortable. You just didn't have anybody that could get into the, get into the paint. You have to be able to do that at some point. Those teams last night, again, it's different teams and you know, I get it, but, but Baylor can shoot the three and Baylor and Arkansas, they must've scored combined a hundred points in the paint. I mean, it was, it was just dudes going to the rim and, and then, you know, kicking out sometimes, but Florida State didn't have that ability. Raekwon Gray was the one guy, um, but, you know, he he's one guy. He's a bull in the china shop a little too often, too, so that's going to be interesting. I think he's got a, a lot that he can improve upon and even improve his draft stock. We cross our fingers that that happens. It happens with him and Balsa. That brings me to the more positive point that we'll get to when we come back from this break, which is they're about to bring in some guys that can do that, or so we think, and this team's going to be really good. I know, Corey, you wrote about it. We'll reference the article on Warchant.com. When we come back at Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Yeah, so we don't want to be all dour and, and, and down in the dumps. It's another sweet 16 run for Florida State, and to get that out of this team after losing two lottery picks in the heart and soul of your basketball team is a sign that the floor has been raised immensely. And I think that's where I was a little bit more reflective after that game. By the way, also, I, I tell people this, it is much easier to lose a game like that than if we had lost on a buzzer beater uh, as it keeps falling out of bounds with a tenth of a second left. I, I can deal with just getting your head kicked in. You got beat well, how by about Alabama? Like Alabama lost yeah. because hit they couldn't hit a free second. throw. They were like right. – they were, I mean, it was overtime, but they were lucky to get to overtime. But they were like 11 of 24 from the free throw line. Yeah, no, that in an kind of overtime stuff, game. That stuff will eat at you for days. The Derwin Kitchen game still bothers me. Oh, man. I mean, it still pisses me off. I mean, Florida State was better in that game. The Cincinnati game where they get slapped across the face every time they bring the ball on the floor, <laughs> nobody would call anything. That pisses me off. The, the, the Wisconsin game that we lost in overtime yeah. pisses me off. Like this game. Man, Michigan's better than Florida State at basketball right now. They are. And you know what? That's good. You set your sights. You go, okay, guess what? We got to get better because when you get to that round, you're going to face teams that can do everything. And so, you know, you might be making, you know, adjustments to that point now with the guys you're about to bring in. And that's where I get uh, excited because the floor has been raised, man. Now it's you're going to the tournament. We don't even talk about whether or not they're going to make the tournament. They're going to the tournament next year. It's a, it's whether or not you can keep your streak alive of Sweet 16 appearances. It's whether or not you can kick down that door and get to a Final Four. That's the standard now for Florida State. Do these guys, many of whom we're all excited about and we've been talking about it all year long, give them that opportunity? I mean, Corey, I, I would – probably acquiesce here and say that you know the most about some of these kids coming in or you've probably watched video I don't know I haven't I've just read the scouting reports but it looks like the versatility of what Florida State has coming in with the with the transfer from Houston and then obviously the two five stars you get a five-star point guard that's going to help yeah and uh now he's a six five point guard he's not a six foot point guard he's not five eleven he's one of these hand point guards He's right. not, but he's he's a he's a guy that would score like nine. He played on a really good team um, up in Pennsylvania, maybe, and would score like nine or eleven points a game, which was fine because he was dishing it out, and that's his game. He's played. He's not coming here to score a lot of points. The Matthew Cleveland kid is the kid from Atlanta, the five star. He's a six seven wing that can put it on the floor. Now these are high school kids, but you watch them in these AAU tournaments against the best in the country. 
he's really hard to guard and he can shoot. So that helps. And he's an athlete. He's got bounce. He's six seven though. The one that, but again, you, he's going to play a lot. But the the Caleb Mills kid is the kid they needed this year. He's he's he's. I think he's a significant. No, maybe not significant. That's too strong. Well, no, it's not. Not when talking about the last month, MJ Walker. Much better. But he's a significant upgrade over what we saw the last month out of MJ Walker. He is not just a scorer. He is a a tough shot taker and maker. And that's what you need in these kind of settings, man. When you're you can't let teams go on fourteen to zero runs in big games. You're going to lose that game almost all the time. And uh, he's a guy that can stop a run. He can go get himself a bucket anytime. When you watch his film at Houston, where he was the freshman of the year in that conference last year, and was the preseason player of the year for a team that ended up going to the Final Four, he's not even there. Um, yeah, man, you watch him play. He's the kind. He reminded me. He reminds me kind of Tony Douglas taking tough jumpers with people in his face and knocking them down. It's just what he does. They so look. They, it looks like he's guarded. It looks like well, that's not a good shot, but that's how he scores and he makes a lot of them. He averaged, you know, he had eight games of twenty plus points as a freshman. I don't know that Florida State has a kid on their team that's had four twenty point games in their career. He had eight as a freshman. He's yeah, he's just a scorer, and that's what that's what I think this team needs is somebody that you can count on in a close game to go get you a bucket, and that's what this kid does. So, and, and I think I'll if you t- added him to the if you added him to the recruiting class that Florida State is bringing in and counted transfers as part of a recruiting class, Florida State would probably have the best class in the country. This kid so is re- legit. So to recap, you got that guy, you've got uh, Jalen Worley, the point guard, you've got Matthew Cleveland. They're both top fifty players in the country. Top thirty. Got, top thirty players. Top thirty players in the country. John Butler, who's a seven, he's a seven footer, but the staff describes him as a Jonathan Isaac type. He's he's they they think he's incredible and he's a top sixty player in the country. And he flew up the charts. Like he wasn't yeah, really that widely known and now he's flown up the charts as like the fifty so 59th ranked player in the country, according to Rivals. So they got three of the top fifty nine players in the country coming in, plus the Houston kid, who's the probably Ira, would you say probably the most coveted transfer in the country? One of the top five. Definitely anyway. one of the top, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um so yeah, man, it's it's uh there's and and they may only be losing, you know, we'll see. The only ones we know they're losing, they're definitely obviously losing Raquan Evans and Scotty Barnes. Um, we, we're pretty sure of and MJ Walker, but you know, really, that's that's about it. Um, I mean, you're 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 bringing back three starters. You know, assuming Balsha comes back, if Raquan Gray comes back, um, you know, Anthony Polite, and then all those role players, and then you add these guys on, it should be a really fun. And then you- and also have a full off season, you know, and I yeah. know that every team dealt with that this past year, but that's an, uh, another reason why you could see a better product on the court. And I think, I think when we look at what the team that didn't get to play in the tournament, that was Ham's best ever team. We can all agree on that. And that was going to be a two seed in the tournament and had a real shot to do some things. And I, I hated the narrative that I was seeing on Twitter right after the game. It's like, this is what Florida state does. They can get to yeah. this point, but they just don't have the guys that can score the basketball when it matters. And it's like, dude, they had them last year, and it got ripped away from them. Don't yeah, act like them. Hamilton can't build a team that can get to the Final Four. He built one last year that could win a national championship, and they didn't get a chance to play. And that said, I, I always, now looking at the totality again of this season and the perspective of the last five years, this was kind of a stopgap year. It had some flaws, this team. Next year's team, even with Scotty Barnes, next year's team without Scotty Barnes and MJ, I think has a chance to be 
if Raekwon comes back and if the guys develop like we think they can, it has a chance to be another special team. You're going to have, you know, wings that can score, including I think Calhoun can take a huge jump. And then um, you're going to have a true point guard. You're going to have a guy that can make a, a, a bucket getter when you need him. You'll have Raekwon Gray, Anthony Polite. I mean, that would be a that would be a top ten team in my opinion. It's maybe funny. A, it may be a top five team. It's funny the prisoner of the moment takes after a loss on Twitter. The narrative you're talking about being created, a it's, it's dumb as hell. It's just it's just posited by people who are really really prisoners of the moment. Especially when you consider that look at the team that everybody is projecting to win this thing. Well, Gonzaga got put on the map. Mark Few, great job, becomes a story. They began as a Cinderella. Then they started making the tournament every year. That dude's been there 21 years and hasn't won a national championship and has had a couple of real good goes at it. But there He's were only been once, to the Final Four once. Once. Yeah. One, that's where I was going. At one time. And Gonzaga is a, has worked their way into blue blood status. They are probably going to win the national title. And people will not use those other 21 years against them at that point. Because when you fill out the resume with a national title, eventually those things become additions, pluses. They become a bonus. Look at the consistency of this program. Look at the domination. We knew it was headed in this direction eventually. They were going to win a title. They kept giving themselves opportunities. It's just... I know I know Leonard's been here a long time, but in truth, this version, the 2.0 version of Leonard Hamilton's program, this is a very small window of ass kicking. This is this is five years of like, look at where this program has come from. I mean, they were on the brink of obviously making a change. They had gone into uh, a real lull. Uh, people had stagnated on, on Leonard. He changed his style, his outlook, who he recruited, his staff, everything. And now... Florida State's so successful that people get pissed off when they lose in the Sweet 16 to the point where they go, well, this is just who they are. You've got to be kidding me, you dumb <laughs> Well, I don't understand what's going on with you now. Like, is it just going to be five a show? That you're just gonna, I don't I understand why you're doing this to by, your guys. I get, just, I get frustrated by the fan base, man. It's just ridiculous. Well, how about being a pro, though? <laughs> how about just being a pro and not cussing all the time? You know, you yeah. can hold off on a curse. I could. Ira, are you with me? It's, I am with you. Of course, it's a little off-putting. We, you I know, think you, I, I think I you also that. agree with. I think you also agree with what I just said. Yeah, you know, oh, they're <laughs> clowns. I mean, we all know that. But I just, I'm a pro. I don't have to say stuff like that. Okay. Well, I won't do it again today. I think there's. I think there's a different. There's. A, I think a lot of the people that were the most frustrated are a lot of the people that don't really pay attention a whole lot during the college basketball season. And then, hey, we're good. And then they start watching, and then they lose. And it's like, well, this is just crazy. Same thing in baseball. How many times do we see that in baseball where the baseball team would, you know, something would happen in in a Super or or in Omaha. Oh, it's just the same old thing, Mike Martin. And they would say things that weren't even true anymore. Oh, we got to bun every time. We're, we got to yeah, do this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, they, they don't even do that. The eight old excuses. Oh, yeah. I got a tweet and, about, I got a tweet about street ball. On Sunday That's, night, Kim uh, can't that, win with street ball. It's like, all right, man, for, okay. You are a really overt racist. Love it. Well, it's it's certainly coded. But but here's the thing, though, is you you can be frustrated that they look like slop for sure. all but one half of the NCAA tournament on offense. Sure. No confidence, no shooting, yes. no ability to score. Yep. You could be frustrated by that. Uh, my point, well, the column that I didn't write very well, um, is that 
but when you look at the totality of the season, I just think that's the team they were. And they had those splashes of greatness. But once they got a little bit injured in the backcourt, they weren't a very good team, scoring-wise. They just weren't. Yeah, and they kind of maximized what they were. But that doesn't mean that moving forward, like next year, if they're a top-10 team, if Raekwon comes back and they finish sixth in the ACC, oh. or if they, if they get bounced in the second round, you're allowed right. to be disappointed. Yeah, you're not a victim of your success. I yeah. used to bring this up with Coach Bowden. I mean, like, if you go out there and lose three games and you have the best talent in the country, man, I'm sorry, I'm going to rip you. You shouldn't lose three games in the ACC if you've got better players. Shouldn't happen. So, I mean, that's fine. You're not a victim of your success. Uh, but I think, I think again, it's a season-by-season thing. What did this team have? What were they lacking? You know, th- then we go from there. Yeah. Listen, I, I, we've all done this at varying points. You, me, Corey, all of us. I mean – I do think he needs to take a good long look at this. I mean, Christ, is he never going to play a guy with two fouls ever, no matter what's Man, on the line? Nope. We can, we, can, we can have this debate for the 25th time in the history but, of Seminole headlines. Look, man, I mean, did you watch last night? Nobody ever considers the alternative. Could, you know, last night, Baylor's running away with that game until their guy picks up his third foul in the first half, and all of a sudden, Arkansas comes right back in. And now maybe that would have happened if they sat him right away with two fouls, but you don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it's easy to say, oh, if you leave him in there. The problem was they were calling everything. And the second thing is he played the whole second half, 15 minutes of the second half, and they still weren't any good. So it's not like that would have been the difference if he could have stayed on the court longer well, in the first half. I just think it's – it's it, and the other part of it is that Hamilton says, and, and nobody seems to listen to it, he does not want to play a guy on defense who doesn't want to foul. He wants guys to play aggressively, physically. He wants to, yeah. to, 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 you know, when cutters are coming through the lane, he wants them to get redirected. He wants them to be physical when guys get near the basket. He wants them to, be, to guard aggressively. And if, you've got, if you're in foul trouble and you're on the court, you're not going to do that, and that can cause everything else to break down. Because That's if you're not guarding your player. guy... It's a player-for-player assessment, game-by-game assessment. I'm not saying it should be an all-or-nothing approach all the time. Just like I don't think you should always sit a guy for the remainder of a half because he has two fouls when there's something more on the line. I can't have him gone playing more than Raekwon. Can't have him. Well, then, Uh, Raekwon, how about not getting into foul trouble? And the other – like, I my favorite part was – and the calls weren't great, but my favorite part, though, is in the early in the third quarter – or in the second half – Raekwon gets his third foul. He's just, you know, been out there a minute, gets his third foul, and he looks over to the bench like, oh, I got this, I got this. Well, how are we supposed to believe you got this? You just yeah. got your third foul. Yeah, but it was on an offense. It was on a screen. Of course they called a scre- yeah. an illegal screen on Florida State, but nothing on Michigan I when all they did was tackle dudes. Um, so he was like saying, look, I know, I know I got three fouls. But again – I think that it's time and score and personnel. There's a lot of That's things that go saying. into it's a, it. It's a case-by-case assessment. But what, not... what, get, what gets maddening at times with that hard and fast rule, because Kay does it, Kay will play guys with two fouls, is like, you know, I, I know this was 50 games ago, but the first game of last year, Devin Vassell picks up two fouls in the first minute against Pitt. Doesn't play for 19 minutes. They, they're, I think they're up by two at half. They end up losing that game. He finished with two fouls. So wait a minute, like, though. So wait a minute. They but were up to guard, what was the score at halftime? So what was the score at halftime? They were down 11. And then well, say so, and they lost by what? Oh, you're talking about the pit game. The no, pit I'm game. saying but the pit game they might have been up by 14 at half if Devin yeah, well, but he, was, he played for the whole second half, right? Yeah, and they got up by 11 as soon as but he was in the win. game. Well, right, but the point is 
you can't I just, just think assume. it's arguing. It's a guy for, 19 minutes. Not <laughs> Devin Vassell. I mean, you, you can't. Just, and the guy finishes with two fouls. Raekwon's a little different because Raekwon sneezes and he picks up fouls. That's a little different. It's just the issue with the way this team was built. Last year, if your starting power forward got two fouls early, okay, we'll just put in Patrick Williams. This year, you were going from Raekwon Gray to a combination of Malik Osborne, Tanner and Gom, and it just, to Noren Gom. It's just a bad look. But again, I, I think that's arguing semantics. I would like to see next year if Caleb Mills picks up two fouls in the Sweet 16 game in the first five minutes, you trust him to go in because you need some buckets. Something like kid, that. The kid from Arkansas last night fouled out with five, you know, fouled out with 15 minutes to go. Yeah. And so great. Well, they played him, but they fouled ways. out. That, that, I mean, but that's the risk. I mean, it's weird to just have a hard and fast rule. This is what I'm always going to do. No matter if it's the, no matter if it's the final that, four or the first game of the season, I'm, I'm going to coach some, this way. Because he backfire. There will be times that it backfires. It's just right. that I don't think it has to be steadfast. I think and you he, can say, he, well, given the does, circumstances, we don't have anybody else who can score. But what's weird is he does – like Scotty Barnes started the second half, which he hadn't done all year. Why do he do that? Because it was the Sweet 16, and yeah. they needed Scotty Barnes on the court. He did it once or twice this year. Yeah, before. but, I mean, it was something he was willing to do. It wasn't just I'm starting Raekwon Evans because he's my starter in the second half. He would make that change. You, again, it, it comes down to personnel. It's, it, we can talk about it all we want. He ain't going to change it. I think he might have done it. I'm racking my brain. No. I, I think he's done it once or twice where he's put kids back in with two fouls over Look, the course of a million games I've covered, but it's not something he's going to do. This. Let me put a ribbon on it because we're way past a break. Here's the point. I'm not making the argument that Leonard Hamilton isn't malleable. He's completely changed what he does. I mean, that's the thing is that a man of his age – doesn't typically adapt an entirely new way of doing things, and he did for the betterment of the program. So I'm saying he is a guy who is malleable, except for on this one thing, and I think on a case-by-case basis, he should be. And, and I so, think on the, uh, on the top 40 reasons they lost that game, that might be in the bottom five. But nobody well, – No, no, that's not true. Raekwon oh, Blake, think it's true. Raekwon Blake playing three minutes in the first half? We it's one of the saying, top 40 reasons? That's great. Raekwon played Gray played three minutes. And your best player played three minutes. That philosophy Oh, is no, what sure. But Raekwon Gray getting in foul trouble. Yeah, but he – But part that, of, was a, that was a huge reason they, they struggled yeah, so much. Yeah, but that's first. not his philosophy's problem. Well, sure. Well, right. But, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. I got you on that. I'm just saying that uh, let's not act like Raekwon Gray playing three minutes wasn't a huge it factor. Was a, it was a big factor in the game. I'm just saying that – the circumstances that led to that, the you know the the way the game was officiated, um, the way the fact that they couldn't shoot from the perimeter, the fact that they had several guys that were playing their worst basketball of the season late in the year, yeah, the fact that MJ Walker was hurt and Scotty Barnes was hurt, uh, the fact that Sadar Calhoun never got. I mean, there were so many other things that I think were more important in that game. The fact that Michigan's really good. That I think my favorite part about the whole debate where people are going after Hamilton after the game is if you switch. Jawan Howard and Leonard Hamilton, as the coaches of those two teams on that night, Michigan still wins. So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, sure. we began. Like, we're running in place. We began the show by saying Michigan was better than Florida State. We—that's the point. Michigan was better than Florida State. No singular thing that we're talking about here, especially that policy, is the reason they lost. But it certainly is something that is part of the larger discussion about what you are allowed to criticize. When we were having the talk, it was about when can you what, what is a fair criticism and what isn't. I think I guess, 
fair I, criticism. Okay, but I, to me, that falls in the same exact category with Jimbo Fisher being conservative before halftime when he gets the ball at his own 20-yard line. He's going to run one play, and if that play's successful, he might try to run with a one-minute oh, offense. But if not, he's... Right. Well, I'm just but, saying, but that came up every... I mean, it's just one of those arguments that's just... It's tiring because that's a core philosophy, and it and if it are you saying you agree with it, Ira, or you're just saying it's pointless it's, to argue because it's what it's, he does? It's pointless to argue, and nobody ever considers the negative if you do it. Like nobody ever considers. Oh, you definitely have to. Leonard does. And, but and, nobody, well, we, but right, do we need a break? Don't. We needed to break six minutes ago. We're having the same <laughs> argument we had five minutes ago. <laughs> Take a break. <laughs> Headlines 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, we left ourselves a cool five minutes for the third segment and final segment of the hour. Let's talk some spring football. Well, no, I don't know that's going to get any better. <laughs> I, think you two, I think you two will be more optimistic than me. But what I am willing to admit is that I've got to do a better job when I point out that they're not very good. Uh, a, you know, spring is weird. Spring has all kinds of weird matchups sometimes. Guys miss time, and you have, you know, in this case, Ira, at the scrimmage we were at, a center who couldn't snap the ball because of the fact that they're trying to work in a backup center, and one out of every three snaps was either above the quarterback's head or in the ground. And there are a lot of things that lead to uh, a poor performance offensively. And there are a lot of things that lead to a good performance offensively, like for a guy like uh, uh, the Rodemaker. Um, but but I, I just don't see any explosiveness. And I keep calling back, falling back on it. And what I got to remind myself is, well, they're not going to go from three and six to 13 and oh. So, you know, this has to be about just getting better. This has to be about watching guys take steps forward. This has to be about when I'm assessing them. Can they win seven games? But I am so, I think I'm very much stuck with the fact that I've been so fortunate to cover so many really explosive Florida State teams. And my brain immediately when I watch this team goes, Jesus, I could name 15 Florida State teams that would beat this team by 80. And so it happens that I'm watching. I'm like, nope, not explosive, not explosive, not explosive, not explosive. Body type is terrible. Body type is terrible. They can't block that guy. He, we don't have a receiver that can catch. And I just, I get lost. In great, that. that's, great. That's, that's on me. 2021 Seminole football. Get excited, everyone. Keep listening to this show. Here, Keep yeah. reading our stuff. It's that was a job. great endorsement. It's not your job to, to lie Here. to them, and it's not my job to pretend they're going to be good. But it's reality. I mean, it, it, think about where we're at. The last, you know, the end of Jimbo Fisher's tenure, the program was going to hell and he wasn't recruiting. Then you bring in Willie Taggart, who has two classes that were largely not any good, and most of those kids have left. Then Norvell shows up last year. He signs some guys, does the best he can. Now he's signed another class that's coming that's in. Right. I think it's right. doing the best he can, but there's not going to be, a, I mean, look at that scenario. There's not going to be abundance of talent. That's I think correct. there's there's some excitement about you know Mackenzie Milton, but I think the problem is, and, and I think why part of the reason you're, you're underwhelmed, and I wrote about this the other day in the roundtable we did, I think we all thought we would see the Mackenzie Milton, if he's healthy, that was everybody's concern, that we would see the Mackenzie Milton that you saw a video of from 2018. And the reality is, 
I, he is running well. I mean, yesterday at practice, he had a couple of really nice runs. And at the scrimmage, he had a, made a guy miss. I mean, he, he's more comfortable now running. Uh, and you can see that, you know, he, he's not quite use him at running back. Not quite Jordan Travis, but he's got some he's got some ability to make plays with his feet. But it's like we we it's like we totally ignored the fact that he would be coming in learning a brand new offense with all new players and a, and a, and a bunch of guys that are not world beaters around him. So that's going to be a process. Oh, you're right. You're one hundred percent correct. It's just sad. It doesn't I make you feel good. It doesn't make me feel good. I watch him, and he's not impressive in any way, shape, or form. Here's what I don't like about this conversation at all is if it was any other coaching staff in the country, you wouldn't have those opinions because you hadn't you wouldn't have seen Jack squat. So I just want to tell Mike Norvell and the staff, <laughs> especially Mike Norvell, that we appreciate the ch- chance to go out and watch scrimmages, to watch practices, to form real opinions. Now this is the this is the negative of those decisions <laughs> is you have some bald blowhard telling you that your team's <laughs> not any good. After three spring practices, but we just want to say how much we appreciate the ability to go see it. Because if we, if it was a normal sellout, history of sellouts. Hey man, it is. Let's appreciate that we get to go watch practice, and you get to form those opinions. And you know what? I'm not going to go watch practice and then come back on the air and tell everybody we're awesome when we're not. What? But what you are going to be able to do, Jeff, is come August. When we're back out there mm-hmm. watching yes. practices, yes. you're going to be able yeah. to talk about the climb, the growth that these yeah, guys the have made because you, you saw what they looked like in the spring. Look, to Corey's point, though, it is great to have an idea of what we're talking about because yes. last year and in many years, we're just going by what we hear from people. And a lot of times they've got different views uh, within the program or maybe they don't like a guy or whatever it is. And being able to actually see them practice, you can see, okay, this isn't going to work right now. But, for example, that scrimmage. Like, I went back and looked at every drive. The offense was terrible. They went 19 drives without a touchdown. Yeah. But when you go back and look at them, every drive was sabotaged by a bad snap or uh, a receiver, you know, a young, a young receiver just running the, the wrong route in, in on a critical play, second and five or third and four or something like that. So you, it gives you some context. And that's that's important, and I think it's it's going to be by August. It's going to be great that we've seen what we've seen. But to your point, no, it's it doesn't look great right now. But I, I don't know how it could, given all those circumstances, from what where this team is. I think they've a, removed a lot of the guys in the team who don't shouldn't be here anymore. But yeah. they also don't have a lot of talent. It's just they are what they are. And I th- and that's and that's why I said a lot of this is on me. I do appreciate we get to see this. And I, I think that maybe, maybe the fan in me came out a little bit. I just, I got so excited to be back out there, and then, you know, we, like, we've been analyzing this nonsense. Yeah, well, we've been analyzing Florida State football for a long time. We know when we've seen really good players and really good teams, because Florida State has been a preeminent program in the country for much of the most of the time that we've been covering them. So when you see this version and how far they've fallen from that. It's just a slap across the face. It's not Norvell's fault. It's not this staff's fault. Uh, it's a confluence of events that have led us to this place. But it's nonetheless disappointing, Corey. It's, it's tough when you're watching. You're like, man, they don't have anybody that can change the scoreboard. There's nobody yeah. out there right now that can light up the scoreboard. They're going to have to put together 14 play drives. And that offensive line is not putting together 14 play drives. You just so 
but you have to understand that you're going up against an Adam Fuller defense. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I think scheming it is going to be important. And I, and that's where these guys I think I think but you know look it's just the different here this is very much the same situation Jimbo Fisher was in in year 1 and year 2. It it is. And it, and so what he had to do was you know, it was harping on the execution and the play calling and everything had to work perfectly. And he was so obsessive about that. Norvell, I think it's a little bit more scheme based in, in creating matchups than it was necessarily, you know, just the, the machine, the operating at peak efficiency. Um, but he's going to, it's going to, a lot of it's going to be on the coaching staff to just win seven games. I mean, that's to me has to be the goal. The goal is not winning nine or 10 games. I, you look at that roster, it, that's not possible. Um, so it's, it, it is what it's, but you're not the only one that feels that way. If Corey was being honest, he would tell you he has not been overwhelmed by what he's seen out there. Neither have I or anybody else. Well, I've been overwhelmed with, uh, dread. (laughs) Just kidding. No, I I just, I really did. I was thinking about that today. Like I was going to tweet about it and it does come across as like a company man, or, or the, uh, pandering to the fan base or to Mike Norvell, but it is amazing that y'all have watched. I wasn't there because I was in Indianapolis. You got to watch two college football scrimmages. Right. In all these practices. I mean, that's nuts in this day and age. And it's it's awesome for us because we do get to have opinions. And we do know that McKenzie Milton is not winning this quarterback battle right now on whatever, March 30th. Yeah, that does not mean he can't win it by Notre Dame, but he is not winning it right now because we have eyes and we've been out there. And that's just so beneficial, not just for us, but for everyone listening to this show listening to Jeff's show and reading our stuff at WarChant. That is correct. No, and also it does allow us to be there for, as Ira pointed out, the climb. They're going to get better because I do think this is a good coaching staff. I mean, I have question marks about the defense. We'll see. But I I do think this is a good coaching staff. So they're all pulling in the same direction. And listen, we'll we'll further expound because we'll get some questions about this in the next hour. Uh, Stay with us. Hour number two, forthcoming. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next. 